That's too loud. Thank you, Barry, for the Bible reading this morning. Um, I'm going to make a couple of corrections from the service this morning. Um, Our caravanners are back. We don't have to pray for their safety while they're away anymore, but we can thank God for their safe return. And also, um, prayer meeting is on the fourth Monday of the month, not the third. See what happens when Pastor Duncan goes away. (laughs) Imagine what it's going to be like next week when Mr. Greg, Pastor Greg, Mr. Greg, um, goes away as well. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning, for the, the wonderful weather that we've had this morning, the, the chance that we have to, to come and praise your name. And Lord, thank you for your kindness to us. And Lord, I just pray that now as we open up your word, that you would speak to each one of us. Mould us, shape us, and, and change us into the people that you desire us to be. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. Keep your Bibles open to James chapter 3 and we're going to just work our way through the passage this morning. I want you to think back to the 7th of February 2009. It's now known as Black Saturday and it was the, the um, event of Australia's worst ever bushfires. On that day, there was up to... 400 individual fires. Is that going to work? I might have to turn this on too. Four hundred individual fires. A week before the fires on the Saturday, there was um, a week of hot weather. There was three days in Melbourne over 43 degrees. I don't care who you are, that's hot. And on the, the, um, <laughs> on the 30th of January, Melbourne reached its peak at 45.1 degrees. It's the hottest in Melbourne's records. Several localities on that day um, recorded their highest temperatures. And on that day, in anticipation of, of firestorm kind of weather... There was over 3,500 firefighters deployed across the state. From the CFA, the, the DSE, see Victoria likes their um, acronyms just as much as Queensland does. By mid-morning, hot northwesterly winds in excess of 100 kilometres an hour were affecting the state. And it was accompanied with record humidity levels as low as 6%. A total fire beam was, was called across the state, obviously. As the day progressed, all-time record temperatures were being reached. Melbourne hit their record again, broke their record at 46.4 degrees, the hottest temperature ever recorded in a, an Australian capital territory, uh, capital city. And humidity levels dropped as low as 6%, as I said. By midday, midday, the winds were peaking at over 100 kilometres an hour. Power lines fell in Kilmore East 
one of the, the areas that were the most affected. And it developed into one of the most deadly and horrific kind of firestorms ever in Australia's European history. The fires occurred in extreme bushfire conditions. 173 people lost their lives on that day. That's, that's incredible. 414 people were injured as a result of the fires. Fire is a destructive thing. It is a destructive thing. And as you can see, it can affect people's lives. And this is the analogy that James uses when, um, when he talks about the tongue. He talks about the tongue as being a small member of the body and yet being destructive. We're going to continue our way through our series in James of our, the um, lessons of a mature disciple. And as you can see, this is the third analogy that James uses in the line of three analogies. The first two being um, talking about how good the tongue can be. It can be used powerfully to, to steer a ship or to, to direct a horse wherever, it wants, wherever the rider or the, the captain wants it to go. And now James uses this analogy to describe the destructive power of the tongue, the disproportionate destructive power of the tongue. It's a small part of the body. I was thinking about getting you all to, to poke out your tongues and, and show the person beside you, but that's, that's not appropriate. It's... It's a small part of the body, isn't it? When we think about it, compared to our arm or our leg or our skin or our liver, it's a small part of our body. And yet it has a great deal of impact in our lives. In the context of the passage, James is talking about teachers. As, as Pastor Duncan mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the, the chapter starts off with not many of you should become teachers. James is talking about teachers that can set off large fires by the use of their tongues, by their use of poor teaching, or by just saying things that are simply not true. During the week I, I saw a post uh, on Facebook about a Singapore teacher, um, one of the biggest ch churches in Singapore, and he was teaching that the Holy Spirit's job is to never convict you of your sin. And that made me and many others in the thread of the, of the post just raise their eyebrows. John chapter 16 says in Jesus' words that the, the Holy Spirit will come and he will convict the world of sin. So it's incredible how much a teacher has over the power of over the over the body of Christ. How much of an impact that a teacher has by what they say and what they teach. So I better be careful this morning. 
Because just as the, the tongue is a small member of the body, so is a pastor a small member of the body of Christ. And James is saying that, again, teachers are able to either steer the body of Christ in a direction that they want to go, that they need to go, by what they say and they teach, but also that they can have a huge impact in the lives of those in the church by what they say. I don't want you sitting there thinking this morning that you can just have a good time. I haven't been keeping up with my PowerPoint. Look, there's a horse's bit. There's a rudder. Okay, I'm up, I'm up with it now. I don't want you th- sitting there thinking this morning that, that you can just have a good time, read your weekly outlook, your, your newsletter, and um, listen to me preach to myself. Because as Pastor Duncan said a couple of weeks ago, we are all teachers. Let's move on. Verse 6 says that the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. James says that the, the tongue is a world of unrighteousness. And left unchecked, it can be somewhat like a campfire. Now, a campfire is is safe if it's contained, isn't it? If it's checked on regularly. But it just takes a small little spark to escape from that campfire and work its way into the forest. And then it can burn to its heart's content. In the same way, our tongues are a world of unrighteousness, a dangerous member in our body. And, yet, and, and if left unchecked, it can get us into all sorts of trouble, can't it? James chapter, verse 6, again, he says that the tongue can take us all the way to hell. It is set on fire by hell. It is directed, or, or possibly even... Um, I'm searching for the word. It's... it's ingrained in us as a, as a selfish part of our body. Some of the ways our tongue can get us into trouble is such things as slandering, sarcasm, gossip, lying, and responding in anger. Why did that one disappear? Just some of the things that that our tongue can get us into trouble. Some of the ways that our tongue can get us into trouble. I don't have to stand here and and tell you that our tongues sometimes get us into trouble. Sarcasm can be a a way of, of subtly destroying a person's life. We can use it to say something um, in a joking sort of way and yet with an underlying tone that, um, that can be just simply destructive and, and hurtful. 
As Aussie men, we love to use sarcasm, don't we? That wasn't sarcasm, by the way. We love to use sarcasm to to try and appear a little bit funny and witty, but sometimes it's it's just misheard or misrepresented and, and it's hurtful. And as Pastor Duncan said last week, sometimes we can say something offensive and then just go, no offence. But we can also do such things as say something in a joking sort of way and then just go, oh, just joking, and thinking that that makes it all right. We can say something hurtful that we really don't mean and then, oh, I'm just joking, and you think that that doesn't affect the person. I've known people to do that. I've known myself to do that lots of times. And there's been a number of times when leaving a, a barbecue or a birthday party or something like that, on the ca- in the car on the drive home, um, Jody's picked me up on something that I've said. Now, gentlemen, there's only one thing that is more convicting than the, the scold or the rebuke of your wife. And that's when you know she's right. (laughs) Obviously, I still struggle with saying the right sort of things. Pastor Duncan mentioned last week that, that gossip is a way of being destructive. This can be so destructive because sometimes we can say something that is either confidential or simply not true and um, it only tears the other person down. It doesn't build up relationships. Gossip and sarcasm, anger, lying, all of these things, they're not gender specific. Men can gossip, women can use sarcasm. Not very well, but they can. (laughs) But what about some of the things that we say to people sometimes in response if we are of the subject of gossip or the subject of slandering or the subject of sarcasm what about some of the things that we say in response when our feelings have been hurt if we say such things in an anger fueled way it's another way that our tongue can just continue to get us into trouble And I don't have to go on and continue to explain how destructive, lying, slandering, the list goes on, how destructive these things can be. Whenever we think of something to say, we should first put our minds into gear and then let the tongue speak. Our first thoughts should be, if I say this, is it going to be encouraging or beneficial to the other person to hear Or is it just going to tear them down? Or will it build them up in a way that is encouraging and beneficial? Each of us, I'm sure, can relate to how our tongues have got us into trouble. It's it's almost like the, the last frontier of our Christian life, isn't it? Sometimes we can have our lives sorted out in a way that that is, you know, godly, everything's going pretty well, but occasionally I say the wrong thing. It's almost like the wild west of the body, isn't it? 
the last area of our lives that is untamable. James goes on and says that we have tamed everything. As men we have tamed everything. Verse 7, For every beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. We've tamed birds to do different things for us. We've tamed crocodiles. This guy, crazy as you might think, swims with crocodiles. We've tamed animals to do all sorts of work for us, entertainment, sport. Um, We've tamed dogs to do many things for us and even be our best friends. We're still yet to tame cats. All the cat lovers out there are going, no, my cat's tame. (laughs) But James points out here that we can have power over animals and have dominion and manage to tame them and yet no human being can tame the tongue. He says that in verse 8. No human being can tame the tongue. There is no way that we are able to tame our tongues by ourselves. It's simply not not in our ability to do. It's ingrained in us to look out for number one, isn't it? And the majority of the time, by looking out for number one, I will say things that tears other people down before I get my feelings hurt. It's ingrained in us that our own sinful desires come first. We are here to look out for number one. But this is not the way that Christ works. He turns that around on its head and says that even when your feelings are hurt, that is when you are to show love. It's not the way that we should be behaving as mature disciples of Christ. Do you agree? As Pastor Duncan said last week, the taming of the tongue is almost like the first step in becoming a mature disciple of Christ. Alec Mottier, in his his, um, commentary, uses the imagery of a master switch. Those of you who are electricians or or tradies or who have ever just looked at the switchboard in your house, you know that there's a number of switches, one for the power points, one for the lights, one for the air conditioner, one for the stove, but then there's one that's the master switch, one that is the powerful thing that you can flick flick off that switch and it controls all the rest of them. And Alec Mottier says, says that the, the tongue is like the switchboard, the main switch of the house. If you can control that, you can control every other aspect of your life. We can try and turn off all the other switches, can't we? I'll control that part of my life. I'll control that part of my life. And yet, until you can have power and control over your tongue it will still remain to be a destructive influence in your life but again I remind you that no human being 
can tame the tongue. It's just simply not true. Not possible for us. It is true. It's not possible for us. Romans 8 verse 5 and 6 says, For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. As Christians, we have Christ's Spirit dwelling within us, don't we? As Christians, the Holy Spirit is the one that dwells in our lives, transforms, changes our lives gradually and progressively. I hear you thinking, what are the things of the Spirit? If, if we are to have our, things, our minds set on the things of the Spirit, what are the things of the Spirit? Galatians 5 verse 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, or the things of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These things are completely opposite to the things of the flesh. The things of the flesh are things like anger, strife, impurity, jealousy, rivalries. Things that the tongue can stir up. The Bible has so much teaching on the tongue. There's, there's a great deal of stuff to be said about the tongue. So you can get the impact that it has in our lives. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A soft anger turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And Proverbs 16:24 says, Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. When our tongue gets us into trouble, when we say things and it stirs up anger and strife and jealousy within our life, there's no peace. There's no sweetness to our soul. There's no health to the body, is there? But yet, when we are directed by God's Holy Spirit, we have things such as joy, peace, patience, love, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control is one of the biggest things. Finally, Colossians 4, 6. Paul commands the Colossian church to, to have their speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer how you ought to answer each person. Why is it so important that we gain control over our tongues? Why is it so important that we respond to people in a loving sort of manner? Why is it so important that that we don't say things that are hurtful or that stir up anger? 
Wouldn't it seem entirely hypocritical if we were in here this morning praising God? I don't want to steal Bill's thunder for next week. But if we were here praising God and then we walked out that door and all we had was bad words to say about anyone, anywhere for the rest of the week. Wouldn't it seem entirely hypocritical if we were singing songs about giving God our lives, giving God control over our lives and then yet walking outside and not having control over our tongues? I want you to think about this for a minute. When Jesus came to earth, he had some harsh words to say, didn't he? He would occasionally rebuke people and, and teach them in a harsh way. But it was, it was things that were designed to instruct and teach them every step of the way. But in going to the cross, he didn't ask God, God, I can't do this, I can't do this. He did actually. He did say, I can't do this, but he ended up going to the cross and taking on our sin when we were enemies with him. When we were so far away from God, he ended up going to the cross for our sakes. So therefore, as followers of Christ, we should be able to love even when our feelings are hurt, shouldn't we? We are to be able to love in a way that, that is just a way that shows how God loves. The biggest impact that we can have is through our tongues. If we all took this principle on board, there'd be no backbiting in the church. And by the church, I mean the church worldwide, not just North Pine. There'd be no fighting, there'd be no bickering, there'd be no harsh words at all. If we all took this principle on board that, that we are to love as Christ has, been, has loved us, it would be such a great place to be in. I want to leave you with one final thought this morning. I want you to think back, let's say 80 years ago, the years 1935. I want you to think about what this area would have looked like. Marumba Downs, North Lakes, Kalanga. What would it have looked like? It would have been trees, gum trees, wattle, some undergrowth, some good grasses, lots of kangaroos hanging around some small towns but it would have looked like somewhat like a forest wouldn't it I want you to think about this this morning what could happen if we were to go out into our metaphorical forest of Marumba Downs North Lakes, Kalanga, Petrie Launton everywhere where you live if we were to go out and instead of saying destructive things, what could happen if we left church and used our tongues for good this morning? 
just even after church, if we went out to morning tea and used our tongues for good to, to encourage one another, to build one another up, what could happen within the life of this church? But then after church, when we're getting some um, brodies for, for lunch or, or KFC, Adam, what could happen if we were to use our tongues for good and talk to people about what we learnt at church this morning? Or if we were to, to help the person who was struggling? What could happen? Could that little thought, that little action after church be a little spark to set this metaphorical forest onto fire? Not fire in a destructive way, but fire in a, a godly and a holy way. What could happen if we were to bring God into a conversation with the person at the checkout? And if we went out of here this morning and were, were guided by God's Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, imagine the great forest that could be set alight in this area. I'll leave you with that thought. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you have done in this church for the lives that you have changed both um, outwardly and inwardly as well. Lord, I just pray that this morning we would allow you to, to guide us by your Holy Spirit. Not in just what we do, but also what we say. And not just today, but for the rest of the week, rest of our lives. That we would be able to, to just... Um, ooze things of the spirit self-control peace, patience and love Lord I thank you for the the way that you have spoken to us this morning and I pray that we would go out here and tell others about how you have changed our lives Lord again Guide us by your Holy Spirit. In your name. Amen.